great. Um, I uh, know that Dick has some things he wants to share with you today, so I'm going to turn it over to him. Thanks, Connie. Bradley, if you could come up here, I'd like to have you sit next to me for the interview. I want to point out one of the things, if you haven't seen it yet, guys, we're always trying to make sure everybody understands the process, the concept, underwriting, just how you get business written and approved and everything about it. And uh, Equus has got a, a diabetes rating form for non-med business people. And um, take time to print that out and read it and just study it a little bit. It's going to help you so much in terms of getting more business issued. Uh, those in the office here, I'll show you what it looks like. But it has a, a height and weight chart that's somewhat generic for, uh, uh, I think it's for plan right. But this will give you, for, it's for plan right, but it's going to give you a little bit better understanding of just how diabetes works so that whatever company you're using, you better understand what's going on there. So at any rate, that's just a, a housekeeping thing that will make, make you all some business. Um, a number of you have heard and seen my, my in-home presentation. And last week I got on the call, we have some agents here locally that came in, and I did the same thing for them. Pete's doing for a lot of our folks here uh, in terms of doing um, live dials so that you can hear what the dial looks like, you can hear us overcoming objections and that sort of thing. Connie's going to introduce that or have Pete do it later in the call here today. But I had Bradley come in and I picked some old leads that I had called and called and called and called. And I just really wanted to have some conversations with some people, really not expecting to set an appointment because I'd been down this road with these people dozens of times. But I wanted Bradley to hear what I was going through. And doggone it, if one of them didn't say yes, they'd see me. So now I got an appointment I had to run on, so I asked Bradley to go with me. And uh, we got to the house, and Bradley, I wanted, when we got out of the car uh, and approached the door, what was your gut feeling in that situation? Sale, no sale, or going to be a difficult vibe? What was your thought process when we approached that door? Uh, I was thinking it was going to be pretty difficult, especially since you had already talked to them a bunch of times and they hadn't even allowed you to come to their house. But I feel like once you get your foot in the door, there's, there's a chance that you could make a sale. Well, we did get her foot in the door. The dog didn't come chase us, but she was on the mower. And uh, she, I waved, but that was about all we got was a wave. So we get in the house. Um, you notice one of the things, we did take control um, very subtly, but businesslike, moving from the living room sofa to the kitchen. Um, how did how did you see that go? How did what was your impression with that, or were you thinking along those lines at that time? Oh, I was thinking, you know, you need to get to a place where you where everyone can see what you're presenting to them, and a living room is really not the best situation for that. So uh, you did a really good job of just like directing the conversation towards the kitchen, like moving a little bit at a time until we finally got to the the location. And then she was still on the mower. What happened then? Uh, well, he went and got her, and it took her a few minutes to come in. I think she was more hesitant than he was, especially after you presented the numbers. So I feel like maybe she was trying to avoid it a little bit, but she eventually came in. And what we did is we just said, um, do you want to have your wife? She's going to need to see what we're going over here. So we did. Um, now, once we took control and got to the table, you watched us do the warm-up, and then you saw the transition into business. Now, knowing what was happening, you're watching it from a third-party person. How did you feel about how that happened? Uh, I feel like it's the, the way that it's set up for us, it's a really good transition because they really 
a, a normal person wouldn't really know that you're trans like they know that you're transitioning to business, but it's a very casual transition. It's not just like you know here's here's what I brought you and this is it. If you want it, have it. Or if not, so it's more of a conversational feel than just a sales presentation to someone. And that conversational aspect, you felt comfortable with duplicating? Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Now, um, when we we did the fact find, we asked him a few questions, and during the fact find, we found out that he had a bad situation at work. Uh, they, he only has three more years to work because he's leaving early and he's going to have the house paid off in five years, maybe three years. What did you witness to their response to the education part? Because you're watching it from a third person. They're paying close attention to me. I'm paying close attention to them. When you're watching the whole picture, how did you feel like once we got the fact find out of the way and we started into the education, what what kind of transpired in the the atmosphere in the room? Uh, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of confusion kind of for people because a lot of people don't understand insurance even if they think that they do. So once you start to present them with the facts and show them all of the different things that they're already going to get, they they can connect it and say, you know, well, I, oh I, yeah, I've gotten something like that, but you're actually explaining it to them. So they can they actually understand what's going on rather than just like seeing a piece of insurance mail and they're like oh I don't need that whatever. Do you feel like the tension in the room kind of subsided a little bit because we were kind of transferring? It wasn't about us as much as it was about them. Right. You need to like be you need to be in control, but at the same time present them with the reality that something could happen to them. I feel like a lot of people don't or just try to put that off in their mind. That, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. I don't really need insurance or anything. But you present it to them in, in like, a conversational way like we were talking, and people will then start to understand, you know, that something could happen tomorrow or it's further down the road, so maybe we need to get something in place. How did you feel like the presentation of the four tables when it was drawn out? Did, was there a change in their attitude, or how did you feel like that impacted the, the interview? Well, I think especially in the in the point of the presentation that we do the four tables, I feel like that's a lot of defense mechanism for a lot of people. But once you take that person out, you know, they can they realize, you know, if I were to just do this, they would just charge me some outrageous amount. So it kind of takes the the big insurance companies off the table right away, and then it allows you to present what you have to further make a sale. That's a that's an interesting aspect of it I hadn't thought of because what we're trying to do is neutralize the situation and take the other person out and without saying something ugly about them. And I think that that, that happened. Now, when we started showing the figures, um, they had a $124,000, excuse me, dollar mortgage. We showed them $124,000 and $100,000. Um, he was kind of considering 15 years. Now, when he was thinking about 15 years, because they're going to have the house paid off for a hundred thousand, but he was somewhat hesitant. Did did you read anything into that? Um, I thought like maybe like like you did, you would present a, a lesser amount for a further amount of time. Because you know a lot of people, fifteen years doesn't seem like a lot, but a fifteen to twenty year jump seems to like it make people think a lot more that that five years can make a big difference. What we ended up doing, I allowed him to establish. Um, through the presentation we did, a payment that seemed somewhat comfortable. And the payment that seemed most comfortable for him was a 100000 for 15-year term 
which is around $45 a month. So once we established that, uh, at that point the question was, should we look at a little bit less coverage but maybe going out 20 years. Now, Pete made a comment on the builder call a little while ago. We're not trying to change what everybody thinks. We're trying to change how they think. So, you know, I want you to think in terms of how I thought and how the client was thinking here. I pointed out to him he was 47 years old. From 47 to 63, you know, that's, that's, at 63, that's when he's most vulnerable. So I said, you know, the, the biggest risk for the company is going all the way out to 68 for you. And it was almost like you could read his face like, oh, yeah, I feel a little uncomfortable with that too. So it was very natural and normal. And what the point I'm trying to make here with everybody is what we were trying to establish was it was natural and normal not to do 124000 So when we got finished, I gave him the numbers, and he goes, after several closes, it wasn't slam dunk, but after several closes, he wanted to go forward with it. And Bradley was right. She was kind of resistant because she has the purse strings and she's watching the money. And they were all through the thing. We don't have any money. We don't have any money. Most agents, had they been in the house, would probably have left after the third close because of no money. They wouldn't have called anybody for help because there was no money. There was nothing you could do. But we went one step further. And finally, after about the fourth no money, I said, you know, for $1.50 a day, you've got the peace of mind of knowing if something happens, this house is going to be in the family's name for quite a few years because we can reduce that payment down to the point it's way less than rent. And that was when that happened, that's when things changed. We got the dollar fifty a day. He said, yes, I think we should do this after the fourth or fifth close. But my point is we established that the greatest risk for him was approaching age 68, and they could take that and remove that risk for a dollar fifty a day, and we wrote a case. Uh, thank you. He got to watch the whole thing, and it was really a pretty – it, we were doing consulting selling. We were consulting the client, helping them through the process and drove them through it. But Bradley got to watch the whole process, and it was, it, was, it was one of those kind of things. It wasn't an easy sale, but it was textbook to the point that I would like to have taken notes on me. You know, it was one of those kind of things, and he got to witness the whole thing. So, one, thanks for going and getting to watch and witness that as we go through. Um, want to go over today with everybody. I love what we do. It's, it's a passion. Uh, when I started doing this, it became a crusade because I wanted to make sure people's families were not going to be impacted negatively if something happened to someone. And as, as a result of that, I started looking at what the business opportunity we have in financial services. And we've got some people this morning here with us that are AFLAC folks. And, um, you know, there's opportunity all around. But I wanted to point out to you all on the call here today just kind of what our opportunity is. You know, everywhere you turn, there, there's business out there. According to LIMRA, which is a, a lobby group for the insurance industry, over 80% of Americans today know they need more life insurance and intend to buy more life insurance in the next two years. Well, if they intend to and they know they need it, 
why don't they buy it? Well, the reason they don't buy it is they need an agent and a nudge. So it's our responsibility to nudge them and to help find them. Now, when you realize 91% of the Americans today would lose their home due to foreclosure if either one of the breadwinners die or becomes disabled. Guys, if that's not a crusade we could hook our wagon to, I don't know what, that's, that's a big deal. The second point is income replacement for either of the breadwinners to provide one to five years of income in the event of a death is desperately needed. Most of the families you stand in line with at the grocery store need both of these. Prospects are everywhere. Due in child's policies through Mutual of Omaha policies to, uh, through Mutual of Omaha to establish an insurance trust for $150,000 for that child, <coughs> and you can do that for 10 to $16 a month per child, that's huge. There's business everywhere. When you're at the soccer game with your kids and grandkids, everybody around you could use one or two of these things. Let people know what we're doing. Final expense. 10,000 seniors a day are turning 65 years old, and many don't have burial insurance. One of their children's credit cards is going to need to be used when that event happens. Why not show them a way today that they can save a dollar or $2 a day to avoid that type of a catastrophe when it happens, because it's going to happen. Mortgage protection. Remember what happens when 91% of the people in America die. That breadwinner, when a breadwinner doesn't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, neither does her paycheck. Why don't more people seek us out? You know, if people knew what we did, our phone would be ringing off the wall. Why don't they do that? Well, they don't do it because they don't realize these products exist. Uh, they don't know it because they don't know we exist. And, you know, we're those that specialize in this market, but people don't even know who we are or that we're here. When people do call, quote, their insurance agent, if they have one, which is almost never, it's because of an event that's happened in their life where they're reaching out for help. Why don't we take, go the other direction and become a walking billboard? Why don't we make ourselves available to them so that they're asking us for help? You know, if they know we exist, it's just a matter of us becoming a, wa a walking billboard. And that brings me to why Equus. Why is Equus a great company to be with? Well, you can tell from this narrative, nothing happens until an agent makes a move to help someone. It all revolves around the agent. Equus recognizes three things. They recognize that people have habits by nature to do nothing, which is why they don't reach out to us. Well, if the nature of the people is due to do nothing, then Equus is coming up with a way to put us in front of those folks. Well, Equus also recognizes that you need specific products for a vast array of clients' needs. So that's why they're constantly working on a portfolio of things that will help the client. The United Home Life Accident Plan, it starts off at $100,000. It's $21.37 a month. And if they're kind enough not to die on us, they give all their money back to them at the end. So if they don't die because of an accident, they get all their money back. It's 70 cents a day, folks. 
we ought to be writing a couple of three of those things a week just because, you know. Uh, I mean, around here where we live with deer, and I know a lot of you live, live near a, uh, an interstate, and if you don't live near an interstate and have deer, you live on country roads. I mean, there's a list as long as you're on on why people need that. The only person who can move people to an action in this regard in financial services who? An agent. So agents are the lifeblood of Equus. And they're the lifeblood of our industry. And uh, Equus has just really had it as a mission to make sure that you know that you're the most important cog in this wheel. And as a result of that, they have built and recognized an organization that acknowledges who the uh, agent is. And you've got to remember something. Those who build with Equus are rewarded handsomely, but a builder at Equus or in any organization is powerless without the action, work, and dedication of the agent. So everything revolves around the agent. Um, Equus puts their agents in front of people who need to take an action. And, uh, and I say an action, that's to protect their families through final expense, mortgage protection, retirement income protection. They're putting you in front of people who work to develop better products through the carriers. They reward you and us handsomely. And most importantly, they allow us to live a life of significance. Can you imagine every 17 minutes somebody buys a mortgage protection policy and they don't live long enough to make the second payment? For those people that bought it and never made the second payment, do you have any idea how that family's life is different? Conversely, look at the ones that didn't buy one and how their life is going to be impacted because we never got there in time or they never sent a letter back. That's why becoming a walking builders is, uh, billboard is so important. You can change entire families' lives forever. What a place to be with Equus guys. When you stop and think about it, and you're going to hear this story a lot because it's impacted my life so much, that family that called me between Christmas and New Year's last year, or between Thanksgiving and Christmas last year. She was a widow, and when the, I answered the phone, her opening statement was, I knew who it was because of caller ID, and I remember him very well. And uh, so when she called, she didn't say, hi, Dick, my husband passed away. Hi, how are you? The first question out of her mouth was, Dick, does my husband still have that policy in force for mortgage protection he bought from you? 19 years ago. Well, I, that was an unusual question for me. I mean, I was taken back by it. I said, yes, why do you ask? He passed away last week. Three weeks later, she got a check for $160,000, and I got another phone call. And when, when the phone rang, she said, Dick, I, I got the check. We had the mortgage paid down less than $110,000, and I wanted you to know I paid the mortgage off I paid the balance of the funeral off, and I paid off two little credit cards, and I put over $30,000 in the bank. And then she broke into tears and told me the rest of the story. I was the fifth agent that came to see them, and he ran the other four off. And for 19 years, she lived in fear that he was going to run me off too. But because I didn't, she said, now I am still a widow, 
but I'm a widow who is not going to have my house foreclosed on in July because of non-payment, because you stuck with us, my home was paid for. Guys, that's the life of significance. We have the opportunity to live every time we pick up that phone to try to set an appointment. And I say that, once Bradley's right, once you get in the house, that's the easy part. The hardest thing of what we do is picking up that phone and making that dial to try to help that family. But when you realize the dire consequences, if we either don't pick up the phone or we're not successful, that family's life could be changed forever in a negative way. why we do what we do. You know, you were talking about building just a little bit ago. I wanted to give a shout-out to those who were building last week. Um, Lisa Duke had a recruit, Mr. Nick Burgett in Alabama. Um, Brandon Hall and Pete Beckman had four recruits. They had David Elias in New Jersey, Nancy Bain in Pennsylvania, Greg Garrison in Wisconsin, and Mimi Chen in New Mexico. And on our team, we had several recruits, Bill Moser in Kansas. We had um, Fido DeRocher in Florida and Bob Tidwell in West Virginia. So the team is growing, and all of those people that we just mentioned have an opportunity to go out and lead the life of, of significance that Joe jo Joe Joseph talks about in his book. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what the millennials, more than anybody else really, are looking for, is to be able to add value, make a difference. Things that we've been personally developing and, and learning about and, and desiring for years, and they're really uh, honing in on deck, which kind of brings us to a culture aspect that we wanted to talk about. Um, you know, the culture of our team is very important to us because we want you all to have the mindset that you own your business. You are totally responsible for your taxes. You're responsible for your own health care. You are a business owner. And um, you know, I've, see, I've watched uh, an uncle of mine have a welding business that was hugely successful. He had five sons, but only one of them wanted to weld, okay? So they all had the opportunity to be self-employed business owners, but the other four, just they just didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And I respect them for that because... You know, we all need to do what we're passionate about. But the one guy who took it over, he is now a self-employed business owner, and he is responsible for his business. And he could run it into the ground, or he could double it. So guys, look at your business this week and decide, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick up the phone? Are you going to look at your schedule? Um, Pete's taking the time to make some sample schedules uh, for you to look at. If you're new to this and you're new to business ownership, look at a schedule and say, okay, um, I can take this as a template and then I can, I can lay it up here next to my paper planner or my, my online Google calendar, whichever. Trust me, I mean, please don't tell me you don't have either, okay? <laughs> make certain you have one or the other. Can't run a business without knowing what you're going to do each day. But you can look at that schedule and you say, okay, now every week I have this commitment uh, Tuesday at 2 in the afternoon. And that's written in stone, and I can't see appointments Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. So that, that's in your calendar, okay? But everything else, if there's no set times, you can set your schedule 
of when you're going to dial, when you're going to see clients. And if you're a builder, when you're going to talk to possible recruits. Because there's really only three ways to make this money in this business. Dialing, following up by seeing the client, so having appointments, and talking to people about coming on with you and building your team. The rest of the time is very important because we know it's important to spend as much time on yourself as you do on your business. Like how do we do personal development? How do we spend as much time on ourselves, a little bit every day? This call is one way. The calls that Equus has, all of the training on Launchpad, all of the training on Unitrust, um, those are all ways to personally develop. Very helpful. What are some other ways? Well, one of the things are uh, through books. Uh, I remember um, <laughs> before Jimmy Carter became president, interest rates were fairly low. He became president, and they skyrocketed, not because of Jimmy Carter, but because they just skyrocketed through that era. And I had bought a 1962 Corvette. It was all original. I was a third owner. I mean, it was immaculate. And gas prices soared back then, and they, it was rationed. You couldn't buy gas on the weekends, and depending on what your birth date was, you could buy on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you couldn't buy on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday type. It was just crazy. And I'm selling campsites in southern Indiana. So I'm thinking, how are people going to have money to tow their camper from Indianapolis all the way down and camp on the weekends? And I told Connie, I said, get the bills paid because I'm expecting to have to sack groceries to buy groceries. And she looked at the car and says, what about the car? And I said, okay, I'll sell it. So I got rid of my Corvette, and I exchanged my Corvette for six months of money to live is what I exchanged it for. Turned out, because gas was so high and it was rationed, people bought little tiny cars, Pintos, Ford Pintos, that got 40 miles to the gallon, brought their camper down in April, and then they drove the Pinto back and forth all the time. And in order to get the clients to come down there, the developer gave them a free tank of gas. So we were busy as could be. I made more money by June than I expected to make for the whole year, but my car was gone. But you changed your mindset as a result. And your mindset was very important. Your, the developer had the right mindset, and you learned that from him. I had the mindset. It was a fixed mindset. This is bad, and it's not going to get any better. The developer said, this is bad. How can I change it? So what he did is he offered people free gas to come and look at campsites. And he had a growth mindset, and he was figuring how to expand the market. I was figuring how to hang on to what I had. So I did learn a very valuable life lesson there. But my point with, with what we're doing here is I read the book at that time called How, um, how I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling and Dale Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. By ch those two books changed my mindset. Coupled with what Mr. Rupel was doing, I had the best year I'd ever had in the, in the sales industry up until then. Unfortunately, that car today is worth over $60,000, and I exchanged what is now a $60,000 asset for six months of money to live. So the whole purpose of me sharing this with you today is if you've got one of those fixed mindsets. See, a fixed mindset says the pie is this big. 10 inches big. That's all the bigger the pie is. And if I want more pie, I have to take it from Bradley and from Mike if I want more pie. The growth mindset says, no, 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 no. Let's figure out how to make the whole pie bigger. 
And that's what Mr. Rupel did. So what we're trying to get you guys here today to do is make your pie bigger so that everybody gets more pie. And you know what? I have to look back at that. You know, we were super young, super young. And oh, how I wish we had that Corvette, okay? But we both learned so much from that experience at the end of the summer. We went into the summer thinking, oh, gosh, all he's ever done is sales and he's going to have to go get a retail job. At the end of the summer, as he said, he made more money than he'd ever made. And we really had the vision at that point to be self-employed business owners for the rest of our lives. And we have been, which I'm really excited about. Um, the book of the month, where Equus, is The No Complaining Rule by John Gordon. Um, I think you are going to uh, view this book similar to um, um, Eat, uh, Eat That Frog. What's the no book? Go for no. Go for no. Yeah, thank you. You're going to see it similar to go for no, but the big thing here is that John Gordon is going to be our keynote speaker at our conference. And being at the conference, Equus Conference in Orlando, Florida, um, on August 10th and 11th, is the ultimate personal development. Guys, we've done studies. We've looked at numbers. Uh, folks who don't go to the conference rarely are full-time in six months. I, you know, I, I can't argue with the numbers, okay? You go to conference, you meet people like Barry Clarkson and the other owners of uh, Equus. You uh, meet all of us. I mean, a lot of us here on the phone, have, we've not met each other, okay? We're new to each other. And we go and we have dinner together and we meet in the lobby and we just fellowship and we become a business and a team. So being at conference in Orlando, Florida, August 10th and 11th is the place to be. Um, just to, as a reminder, the No Complaining Rule, it was Book of the Month in May. Um, we're going to check out the website to get June's, month, June's book. But I'm just going to step out on a limb here. If you haven't read No Complaining Rule, don't start with June's book. Start with a no complaining rule because you want to read one by John Gordon. But best of all, if you're a new agent in this business for 30 days or less, especially if you're direct to us, okay, we really encourage, I, I won't use the word expect, but we know who is going to go far by who really follows through. In the first 30 days, you need to be reading two books in that first month. How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Betcher and Slight Edge by uh, Jeff Olson. Both are really critical to changing your mindset, which is another great book by Carol Dweek, Mindset. Um, so make it your mission to become a person who reads. We all know, you know, readers are leaders. Um, and I don't know how many times somebody will say to me, oh, I'm not a reader. Well, don't say that about yourself anymore. Say, I am a reader. Don't say what you aren't. Say what you are and what you desire to be. And you too can change not what you think, but how you think. Um, Dick, I know we wanted to open up for some questions. I'm going to um, have uh, inter Dick I'm going to have Pete tell us about the live dials. And while he's getting off mute, I'm going to give my cell phone one more time for questions. It's 434-466-9101. And after Pete 
tells us about the time for the live dials, then we'll have open line for questions. You will unmute with star six. Hey, Pete, you got the time? Yeah, there we go, Connie. Are, can you hear me? I sure can. Fantastic. Okay. Well, guys, great call. Thank you so much. A uh, lot of valuable information, Dick and Connie. I mean, it's been really, really good stuff. Guys, I hope you're taking a bunch of notes. Uh, we, just to be on, uh, we're going to start and continue our live dialing uh, every Wednesday. So today from 4 to 6 p.m. and on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, this will return and, and this will be a reoccurring event each week uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays. What Live Dials is, is for all of you new agents, any of you guys um, need help on the phones, one of the best things and one of the easiest ways to, to get better at it is to print the scripts that you get from Dick and Connie, right? Go to the Unitrust Agency site. Um, grab those, go to the Training Hub site, uh, Sylvester Training Hub, grab those phone scripts, and then listen in. And you'll actually get to hear, uh, like this week, I'll be doing the live dialing for two hours. You'll get to hear me on a conference call booking appointments with live customers. So you get to hear real rebuttals, real objections, how we handle it. Hey, guys, you're going to get to hear us set some appointments, and then you're going to hear just like you guys go through. We're not going to set them all, right? Uh, but you'll get to see how we handle it, uh, how we move forward. That number for today, it's, it's from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, today and Friday. That number is area code 319-527-3134. It's the same one we're on right now. No access code needed. So again, that's 319-527-3134. Uh, you guys can tune in if you've got any newly uh, agents that joined our team. Even if they're still in licensing, it's a great opportunity for them to get in for a few weeks, listen to what it is that we do, uh, so they'll be acclimated and uh, real comfortable with the script when they hear us use it. So Connie, that's, uh, I'll turn it back over to you. Fantastic. Uh, I don't know if you all quite get that, but uh, we've been in this industry for 20 years and we've never had anyone willing to get on a phone and make live dials. You are setting yourself up for what could be, well, it could be really hard. I mean, you could be, you could be embarrassed. Someone could cuss you. There's a lot of things that could happen. Dick's done live dials here, here in our office with eight or ten people listening on speakerphone. And some of it's pretty funny. I mean, it's, you get some pretty crazy answers. But here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear what Pete hears every time he dials, okay? It's unfiltered. Catch that word. It's unfiltered. He is, this is not scripted. He doesn't have these people recorded and he's plugging them in. He is doing this for you to help you on the phone because we all know that there's an 800-pound gorilla that comes and camps on your phone at night, and if you don't have the mindset to get that guy off your receiver, off your phone, off your cell phone, you just don't ever pick it up. So thank you so much, Pete, for setting up that time. Dick? Thanks, Connie. I'll let you monitor if anybody has any questions. One of the things that if Pete set them all, we would know it would be a setup. So you know that's, <laughs> that's not the case. And uh, somebody made the comment, either Pete or Connie, about tune in. And I'm going to say don't tune in. 
I'm going to say sit down and be focused. Yeah. Don't be doing dishes. Don't be doing other things around the house. Sit down and be focused and listen because this is the way you can learn from somebody that's doing it. Now, part of the reason we did this is we have an excellent script that we use for direct mail leads, even for bonus leads. But right now, when, you, when, when a company focuses strictly on direct mail leads, and this is why Equus is such a great, great company to work for, is we get a 1% return on a direct mail. That means 99% of the people never hear about mortgage protection and never have the opportunity to buy. So what, what we've done, Pete and Brandon have been working on this in conjunction with Equus, a different program where they're doing three different lead types. And each of those lead types is getting into another layer of the onion that the direct mail didn't do. So now they're, they're drilling down six, seven, eight, nine percent deep into this marketplace. Well, the people that respond through one of the different lead sources, they buy differently. So they have to be approached definitely. So what you're going to hear with Pete today on this call, he's going to be calling some of each of the three different lead types. So you're not, and, and the reason this is so important to me is when I was in the timeshare business, I did really well on the direct mail leads, and I did really well on referrals, but they have a thing called an OPC. It's an off-premise contact. And if you've ever been to Myrtle Beach or some resort area and you go into the Cracker Barrel and they have sign up for free tickets to whatever, that's an off-premise contact. Well, those people come in, like Bradley experienced when I went into the house with these people. Uh, remind me to tell them about the people buying something before. But at any rate, uh, they buy differently than, an OP, than a direct mail does. So you're going to find that... Pete is going to approach these people on the other two lead types a little bit differently. You need to know that, and you need to know why that's important. You know, when we got to the house the other day, when Bradley and I wrote that case up, after all the paperwork was signed, and she was running around the house looking for the checkbook because she hadn't used it in so long. I mean, it, I mean, it was, became a circus there for a while, but that's when the truth came out. They had actually bought insurance from another agent two months earlier. All he gave them was the price and the face amount. They didn't understand the years. They didn't understand the purpose, and they canceled. But because we took time to educate them on what all this other mail coming into the house was about, because they get all this other mail, and we pointed out some of that's going to be a declining term. They didn't know that you can't tell one from the other, but because we educated them on what declining term was, what ART was, what accent coverage, now it made sense. Prices were from high to terribly low, and we showed them what they got and the value they were getting. And the value that we showed them came from no blood work and the fact that if they found something in the blood work, they would be declined. As a result, they were glad they canceled the other plan because they didn't know what they had. They said, you explained it so well, we understand that. Well, that's what Pete is going to do for you today on these dials because you're going to have different lead types. He's going to show you how to use those and um, if, if anybody's got any comments or questions. But that's important to understand how they work. Okay, so the line is open. Uh, you'll have to press star six to unmute yourself. We're just going to embrace the silence. Okay, and um, I'm going to actually take the recording off.